Welcome to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell, bringing you the latest information for families seeking to adopt, adoptees, and women considering placing a child for adoption. Now, with today's program, here is Marty Caldwell. Well, welcome, and thank you for joining us today on Let's Talk Adoption. Today, we're going to be discussing a wonderful topic, a multi-ethic uh, families built through adoption, and uh, we're going to learn some ins and outs um, from an author um, that has written a wonderful book for children uh, that I would love to share with you, too. So you can learn more about this um, topic also on our website, Let's Talk Adoption. Before we start, though, remind you also, you can sign up for a weekly news ma- uh, newsletter and also an email reminder letting you know what shows are coming up next. And uh, we usually send those out a few days before the program airs. Um, so visit our site at letstalkadoption.com, and you can frick that, uh, click that little free uh, reminder on the left side of the site. It's free, and it's easy, too. Uh, if you have questions for me, uh, do uh, send them to me at info at letstalkadoption. So today, discussing the various questions that arise when a family adopts children from different ethnic backgrounds, a blended families, when you have biological stepchildren and children from different countries, um, we have a lot of information to share with you. Our guest today is Rose Kent. She has um, a children's book she has written, uh, an author of, and she's also working on a new project we'll share with you, too. She's a former um, Navy officer who lives in upstate New York. She and her husband have a bustling, blended tribe of six children, ranging in age from 20 to 8 years old, and this includes also adopted children, uh, multiracial children, um, stepchildren. So um, she did write a wonderful book. Her first children's novel is Kimchi and Calamari um, from Harper Collins, and uh, it just came out this year. It's a funny um, coming age of uh, a tale uh, of an adopted Korean boy in an Italian family. And I know that when my husband saw this book in the car, he just cracked up. So it's a really cute book I think children will like to read. Uh, the book was inspired by her Korean adopted children as well and has many, uh, as many as uh, adoptees that she has met um, through the years. Uh, she really dedicates this book to them. So it's really helped her write this book. Thank you so much for coming to the show, Rose. Hello, and thanks, Marty. My pleasure to be here. Well, we're so excited to have you, and um, your book has a cute little cover, Kimchi and Calamari. Um, What a a super book, and we're going to talk about that in just a little bit, too. But, you know, clearly um, you are a mom that must be very organized because you've got children in and out of all different ages. Um, You've adopted two children um, from Korea. And uh, tell me a little bit about uh, your, your Caucasian family. Uh, how did you decide to go internationally and, and, and select Korea, too? Well, um, yes, I am Caucasian, um, but the, the father of my biological children was, in fact, multiracial, part Korean. Mm-hmm. So for us, it was, it was really a natural decision, you know, to really connect it with our family. Um, mm-hmm. And it's funny, when I think back on it, my two birth children both have the same birthday. They were born, born on August 21st. Um, and not cesarean, I'd like to add. Um, wow. We were going through the process of deciding mm-hmm. to adopt. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really became a family decision because my children were old enough to share in that. And mm-hmm. I can remember them being so excited and, you know, going through the paperwork for Korea, but mm-hmm. also saying, well, let's make sure the adoption agency knows we need a baby born on August 21st. Uh. So I have to kind of calmly explain to them that you can't really custom order birthdays. Oh, um, but once we got back, you know, past that, it was just a very wonderful natural decision for us. Mm-hmm. And so that, and the children, so the children were excited. How old were they when you finally decided to adopt? They were nine and seven okay. at the time. And these so. were biological children. And people are going to ask right now, well, did you have infertility problems or did you decide you just wanted to adopt? You know, I always wanted to adopt. Mm-hmm. It was just always something. It's interesting because in, as an author, I've been going back and combing through some um, papers and photos from when I was a child pulling mm-hmm. it together for my website. And I found my autobiography 
from second grade. And truthfully, mm-hmm. I had forgotten about this. But, of course, there's many things in my autobiography that I wrote that I didn't accomplish. I said mm-hmm. I was going to live in Puerto Rico, and I haven't even had <laughs> the opportunity to visit Puerto mm-hmm. Rico. But one thing that I wrote in my autobiography was that I would adopt two children, and one would be named after my mother, Teresa. So um, oh, it was just wow. something that I always wanted to do. Of course, the decision to adopt from Korea and other things came with life. Right. And, and when you did that, did you find it, so it would just happen naturally for you, because a lot of people will struggle with the countries, um, but for you it was fine, and the children, when you do go to Korea and you came home, you adopted twice because your children are about three years of age apart? That's right, three mm-hmm. years apart. And so when you did that, um, was, and they're both girls? No, actually, um, Connor, who's 11 now, boy, mm-hmm. and Teresa, who's eight. Girl, mm-hmm. a little girl, and so when you did that, um, did you find that uh, Connor was pretty excited about having a, another uh, sibling from the same country? Very much so, very mm-hmm. much so. Um, but you know, truthfully, I think I went into it a little bit naive. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's interesting because I was uh, at an adoption conference this past weekend. In fact, mm-hmm. it was really exciting because I I spoke at um, a conference for the adoption agency that I work with mm-hmm. in order to form my family, and it was really fun. And I shared with them so many of the the joys um, and the, the mysteries and surprises of adoption. And I was also a little bit honest about some of my blunders along mm-hmm. the way. Mm-hmm. And I think I was a little naive. You know, um, this is a wonderful thing. We're going to have this family. And it all was wonderful. But I think at the time I didn't really step back and think a little bit about, you know, when, when you do adopt internationally, mm-hmm. you really are taking on a, a choice to be mm-hmm. an interracial family, um, which has been wonderful. But, you know, you have to go into that with eyes wide open. And I think, if anything, at the time, I just kind of jumped into it with both feet type of thing. Right. And and, and that's with some things, too, if you could share. You know, what do you wish you knew? I mean, because we're talking to people that are maybe considering adopting internationally. What do you wish you really had known, knew beforehand, before you started, that would have helped you? Yeah. I think, um, uh, going back, uh, the adoption agency that we work with, they did a wonderful job of preparing us um, it was interesting. They used to call it parent training as part of the orientation. But, you know, mm-hmm. here I was with two birth children, you know, a job, laundry, a house. And I thought to myself, well, what do I need to know about parent training? Um, so I, I suppose I listened, but I really thought I had it kind of figured out because I had children. I wish I had thought a little bit more about the uh, adjustment. You know, again, mm-hmm. having had two birth children and two difficult births, mm-hmm. I thought, well, this is going to be a piece of cake. You know, mm-hmm. um, the adjustment was difficult. I mean, Connor, as many children who come internationally, not just Korea, mm-hmm. they they have they first of all they they've bonded with somebody. In, in Connor Teresa's case, it was a foster mother. And oh, how oh, old were they too when you adopted? Because they that's were a big babies, part. Marty. Um, Connor was four and a half months. Wow. Teresa was eight. So they'd had an extended bonding, mm-hmm. and then this then they get on a plane with somebody else who brings them over for a very long, difficult flight. Mm-hmm. So we had a little bit of a, a rocky adjustment mm-hmm. in the beginning. What which, happened? It was rocky. Just um, adjustment uh, to the food, to the climate, the 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 language. Yeah, I think all you know they were babies, but I think it was all of the above. Uh, it was literally even just car seat. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, we had taken a limousine to the airport um, mm-hmm. because Connor and both Connor and Teresa came to us via the airport. That's how the Korean program worked. We mm-hmm. did not travel mm-hmm. to go to um, Korea, but I, you know, we were so excited. And of course, they came during the holiday season, so we were dressed in our holiday garb mm-hmm. and just wonderful. And it was wonderful. But car seat, for example, they had not been in a car seat, and that was a tough ride home because yeah. they were absolutely miserable. Cribs were an adjustment. Um, I think I was an adjustment. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, as, as wonderful as adoption is, as you know, it's not an overnight bond. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think I was a little bit of naive, not realizing the uh, the adjustment involved. Um, one little story to share, and um, sure. I- I'm sure, you know, uh, listeners will appreciate this from a mom's point of view. Um, my daughter, Kelly, who was extremely excited about Connor coming first, um, 
had begged and begged if she could share the room when the baby came. And you How know, old was she, too? Um, she was seven. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she was just so excited about Connor coming and rearranged her room, moved all her Barbie gear and whatnot so we could put the crib in there. We had a very small house at the time. So I said, okay, this sounds like a wonderful idea. Sure, even though we had a very small house. And um, so Connor came after he came from Korea and proceeded to cry and cry and cry mm-hmm. night in and night out. Um, very hard on a child who has to get up for school the next day. Um, so this went on for quite a while, and she I'm fine with it, I'm fine with it, no matter how much I would try to shelter her from it. But one morning, about a month after this, after a particularly bad night, I walked into the room to see her, and there was a little anonymous note written in scribbled handwriting, taped to the crib, saying, go back to Korea. <gasps> oh, no. So she let me know. Yeah. Um, of course, today they are just the closest Siblings. Sometimes they have to have that. It's like gears getting used to each other. There's a few sparks that fly before they get into the gear with each other. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, when I look back on it, um, whose fault was that? It was really mine as a parent of being a little bit naive and not saying, of course, these two should not be in a room together. So, yeah. you know, I learned as we went along, too. Yeah, you know what? And uh, and bless, bless their hearts, too, for going through. Well, you know, you wrote this great book, um, if, and it's, it's about... Um, uh, it's told from a 14-year-old Joseph um, yes. and his point of view. And in many ways, Joseph sounds like a typical middle-aged kid. Uh, he has annoying little sisters. He complains about school essays. He has a crush on a popular girl. Um, but he, he, but he's different, too. He, being Korean and adopted, how, did you, how are you able to write from that viewpoint? Um, because I think these will help kids, um, especially from this age, because we have a lot of uh, books for toddlers and little ones. But this is a nice book for, um, for older kids. Um, how did you write from that viewpoint, um, and why did you write the book? Well, I, you know, I, I think I wrote from, the, I think life, first of all, gave me the full immersion experience, if you will, mm-hmm. to help me get that viewpoint, you know, mm-hmm. and when I first started writing the story, my oldest son, TJ, was, um, you know, he's creeping up on close to the age mm-hmm. of Joseph, um, is in the story 14, he was getting close to it, so, um, mm-hmm. you know, back then my house was always full of boys, um, mm. although come to think of it, it's still always full of boys, because Connor's 11 now, um, but I was surrounded by that teen reality, and I think that helped me get that voice right because um, I could really listen to these kids. Right. Um, it almost became a joke in our family because any time I could, I loved to interview my kids and mm-hmm. their friends to really just kind of put <laughs> yeah. my you know, finger on the way kids were feeling and acting these days. That's where you get the real writing because you sound just like them too, right? Well, I had to work at it. You mm-hmm. know, um, it, it makes me think about... Um, one of uh, TJ's friends, my oldest boy's friend, um, Young, is from Korea. Mm-hmm. And I remember so many times, you know, asking Young questions to the point of one time TJ had Young over and they wanted to watch a Star Wars movie. And I remember him pleading with me, please, Mom, not another interview tonight, please. Mm. Um, but that's, that's so how funny. we did it, you know. Yeah. Um, and well, I, I love the title. It's Kimchi and Calamari. Where did you come up with that uh, title? Well, um, kimchi, of course, is a Korean food. It's a right. food that's um, very important to Korean, traditional Korean families. They, mm-hmm. they eat kimchi, which is kind of like a spicy cabbage. Right. I like it. Not every meal. Yeah. You like it? I like it. Most people don't. I like it. I had Korean students, and they would bring me uh, kimchi, and it would have been very rude not to, so I acquired a taste for it. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. And I think that's what it takes sometimes um, for Americans who are not used to it. It has a little bit of a kick to it, as yes, you know. Yes, it sure does. I, I, but now, I, when I hear it, I, my mouth waters. <laughs> that's wonderful. Yeah, and I really enjoy it, too. Um, and, of course, calamari is mm-hmm. an Italian dish, you know, fried yes. squid. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, and, you know, the name is symbolic, of course. But I really wanted to show, um, you know, Joseph's kind of a funny, quirky kid in the story. Um, yeah. And he kind of feels like he's a combo platter, you know. Yeah. And I think that really captures how he feels about himself. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, it's, I think it's important that kids have books they can relate to. So this was really written for what age group do you think that, you know, as far as um, someone looking at a gift for a child, something they want to give? Because it's so hard to buy for teens. But, you know, I think the book, kids can relate to this. And it's not just yeah. for adopted children either. 
No, it's really not. Um, it, it, well, the, well the, the, the book jacket itself, Marty says, um, ages 8 to 12, but it's mm-hmm. funny because, you know, through the, the Internet, um, you know, I have a website, rosekent.com. Pe- it's, it's really neat, um, that part of the Internet. People can contact you. And um, kids even older than that, you know, teens, even young people in their 20s um, are reading it, um, which really makes me Yeah, happy. you know, I'm going to give that website out because I did notice you have some comments here. My producer gave me some here, and it's uh, rosekent, R-O-S-E-K-E-N-T.com. And um, you have a lot of things here. It's a, a really kid-friendly one. You actually have some recipes, which I think is kind of cool. Oh, and, you. Um, you know, the book is 240 pages long, so it's not too long, um, and it's easy to read, too. But, um you know, it's and also available in libraries too, and they can order it from the bookstores. But Absolutely. when, what did, what was your response when the kids saw your book that you wrote? Uh, my children, mm-hmm. they've been terrific. You know, um, and I and I thank them in the acknowledgement page because they helped me write it so much. Um, mm-hmm. But they've been they've been a wonderful part of the story. You know, they've uh, they traveled with me. It's been great. I've got to go to many places and schools and talk to kids about the book, and mm-hmm. the kids come with me, and I'm very lucky to have them with me. Well, what kind of questions do kids ask when you go and speak, too? Because you, uh, with a blended family, are they asking questions about your blended family because you do have stepchildren and biological, or are they just asking general questions? I, I'm curious on some of the questions they would ask. Yeah, that's that's interesting because I'd say all of the above. You know, of course, you mentioned about the title and the kimchi and calamari mm-hmm. um, I find kids love to talk about food, mm-hmm. you know, um, so they ask me a lot of questions. First of all, you know, what is kimchi and what is calamari, and we have a lot of fun with that, mm-hmm. and then we talk about ethnic foods, and they love to share their stories about when they've tried a food mm-hmm. from a different country and how that experience went. Um, so they ask a lot about that. Um, they're interested in Joseph being adopted character mm-hmm. in the story, and they ask a lot about that, but it's interesting because um, the character Joseph uses this expression. He thinks of himself as an ethnic sandwich. Korean on the outside, Italian on the inside, and mm-hmm. some days the other way around. When I, when I talk to groups of kids, it's so funny because I'll describe this and tell them, you know, Joseph describes himself that way, and have you ever felt like a sandwich? And um, it's, it's amazing, Marty, how these little hands go up yeah. and how they share with me. Um, I think they connect with this book because so many kids feel sandwiched today. I'm just thinking, because mm-hmm. I spoke to two groups last week, and um, this little girl's hand went up. And she described how she felt like a sandwich because mom and dad are divorced. Mm. There are different rules and whatnot. Um, Another boy told me he felt like a sandwich because his parents had different religions. Mm -hmm. Um, Another another child was talking about how she wants to be a superstar on the soccer field, but she also wants to get really good grades and there's not enough time. So Mm. I think there's this connection with all different kinds of kids who relate to Joseph because they feel... Mm-hmm. You know, smushed like he did. Well, it sounds like another book in the making right there. There you go. <laughs> and because so many of us do feel like sandwiches, too. And I think that sometimes happens with adoptive parents when they are, um, you know, when they're trying to adopt. Let's take a break. and we come back, we're going to share more about um, this wonderful little book uh, that's great for kids. Rose Kent is the author. And uh, her book is Kimchi and Calamari. And we're going to talk about adopting uh, multiracial children. Um, questions that uh, may arise. We have some questions in from some of our listeners, too. So we'll share those right after this break. God has a plan for each of us. Sometimes we simply aren't sure what that is. Many Christian families are struggling today with infertility and pregnancy loss and feel forgotten as to God's plan for their lives. Is God trying to convey His plan to you? Perhaps He is trying to lead you to another path for building your family. Christian families are being built every day through the miracle of adoption. There is hope and there's a child for you. Visit LifetimeAdoption.org. 
or call 530-432-7373 to learn more about welcoming a baby into your heart through adoption. Welcome back to Let's Talk Adoption. I'm your host, Marty Caldwell, and today... um, We are discussing a wonderful book. It's a book for teens, uh, actually from 8 to 12 years old. But um, I found it very interesting just glancing through this here on uh, some of the funny things inside of it. And it's had some great reviews, too. Uh, The book is Kimchi and Calamari. And our guest today is Rose Kent. Before we um, go back to uh, our guest and our topic today and some good questions we have, I want to remind you that uh, if you're interested in adopting, please do visit... um, openadoption.com. You'll find some information on there. And if you're interested in telemarketing, and not telemarketing, teleconferences, we have them on our site uh, at adoptionteleconference.com. And um, there are conferences that are held every um, week. Um, and you just call from your home, uh, home or office or cell phone in some cases, and uh, join a group of other people and we discuss different topics. So it's a lot of fun. A lot of them are, are free too. So uh, do a, a visit the adoptionteleconference.com. Rose, before we left, on break, we were discussing a little bit about, you know, how you're talking to kids and they were feeling sandwiched in and things like that, too. What questions did kids have regarding adoption when you go to the schools, and I know you do a lot of speaking, what kind of questions do kids ask? Because it's, it's always helpful for adults to know what ki- are in kids' minds regarding adoption so we can help them. Sure. You know, they ask a lot of questions. Um, I think there's a little bit of a mystery involving adoption. Um, I'm sure you, you see this as well, Marty, mm-hmm. you know. Sometimes kids don't know what to say, even the language they use. You know, um, they'll often say, well, I show a picture of my family, all the, our six children together, and say, these are our children in my family. And they'll say, well, which one are yours or which ones are not? Um, mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of that, you know, wondering about the language of adoption. So I try to, you know, gently share some of those words with them. Um, they're curious how adoption happens. Um, sometimes they wonder if there's a general general sadness that follows it because I think sometimes in the media you know, you'll hear things that seem sad with adoption so mm-hmm. you know and, and that's part of the reason why I wrote Kim Shane Calamari because I really wanted to present this kid who's just this great quirky kid with typical problems and annoyances but he also is adopted and that's special but he you know if he's walking down the street he's got a a grin on his face just like everybody else. You know what? People learn from stories, and that's why I think it's important that we have stories like like the one you wrote, Rose, is because um, especially kids, they want to hear about other kids. If we sit down, and I know even with my children, if I were to tell them do not touch, uh, you know, the um, the hot fire when they were little, the fireplace, they would they would go over their curiosity. But if I told them a story about someone burning their little finger off, uh, they'd be very cautious and maybe curious. But um, they learn from that story, and I found that my nieces and nephews before I had children, I always learned more when I told them a story. And I think by reading this, they're in their own world, and it encourages kids to get off the computer and get into reading, too. Well, I think stories are safe, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can share experiences. Like my son, Connor, um, loves to read, um, and we've always talked very openly about mm-hmm. adoption. Um, but Connor's not a big talker. You know, mm-hmm. for him to sit there and talk a lot about his adoption is just not not the kind of kid he is. So mm-hmm. the story, even for me as the author, it's been a nice, safe way for us to talk about adoption instead of talking about Connor and how you're mm-hmm. feeling. He'll comment on how Joseph handled the situation or yeah. trying to find his search. So I think it's safe. It, it is very safe, too. Speaking of that, too, did you find your children what age start asking about their biological family or their adoption? You know, we, it, I, I don't remember the magical age that it happened because really since they came um, we, we've always tried to tell them their story, even mm-hmm. as the nighttime go to bed saying this is mm-hmm. the story. Um, we don't have a lot of the details. That the, 
the details of the story, but we've tried to have the story as much truth we had in the story anyway. So there was never a single time, but it's certainly something we've talked about for a long time. Exactly. And there's not any particular questions, because sometimes we find that uh, they'll ask, you know, where did where did they find me, or why did my birth parents, um, you know, leave me, or, or, or did I do something wrong? Yeah. Um, did you have to address any of those with any of your children um, about adoption? You know, not yet. Um, Connor's 11 and 8, but I, I think it's coming. You know, um, from a lot of what I've read and talked to other adoptive families, you know, puberty is just a prime time for that reflection, um, mm-hmm. and which is why I, I, I created Joseph as a character who was 14, because he's right smack dab in the middle of that, and uh, he ends up having to write an essay in school on his ancestry. Oh, really? He mm-hmm. comes from this robust, proud Italian family, and he mm-hmm. can tell you lots of details about that. But, you know, that essay, which is a very realistic thing for mm-hmm. our children in middle right. school, um, it kind of causes all this thing to go on in his head where he's wondering those things. Um, so I haven't experienced it yet with Connor and Teresa, but I certainly mm-hmm. think it's something that could happen. It could, and I know when my son got into school, they had to do a family tree and some information, and it was really difficult. And we had to do some, because we have a lot of information, but not as much as others, and we didn't have his uh, pictures when he was just a baby. Yeah. Um, and so that was really hard, and I know that's something that um, we tried making up, and I think it was okay, but, you know, you never really know, and so I think gathering as much information, and I encourage families to, um, you know, take as many photographs uh, when you do go to pick up your, your child. Um, for you, you didn't have to try out to Korea, right? No, we didn't. Um, we, 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 we plan on going back, um, but mm-hmm. I was going to add to your point, Marty. Um, Sometimes I think we have more details that we can tell our children their stories than we know we do. Um, mm-hmm. For example, in Connor's case, um, Connor came from Pusan, which is a community right on the water in Korea. Um, so although I don't have many details about where he was found, I know he was found, I know the day he was found and whatnot, you know, we know he was from Pusan. Um, and we did a little, re- little research about Pusan. It's, mm-hmm. it's a sea town where people travel to. So mm. part of the story now, when we talk about story, and, and mm-hmm. Connor just so happens to love seafood. So when we share the story, part of that story is now, well, of course you love seafood. You're from Pusan. Exactly. And tied it's in. true, and, and he really enjoys that part of it. Yeah, I think kids love stories about whatever you have tidbit. I think they really enjoy that no matter what their age is, and I, I think that's important. I want to give out your website again. Uh, it's uh, rosekent.com, and uh, again, her book is Kimchi and Calamari. We've got just a couple minutes, but what are you working on right now, Rose? I'm working, well, you know, it's a foodie thing again because I tend to be a foodie writer, (laughs) but I'm working on a story also for 8- to 12-year-olds about a girl and her mom who has some mental health challenges and their Mm -hmm. deaf little brother who moved to upstate New York in the bitter cold of winter to Mm -hmm. open an ice cream shop. Wow, do you have a working title for it? Um, It's called Rocky Road, as in the ice cream. Ah, I love it. Okay, well, they can find out more about that at your website, too, at rosekent.com. You know what? Thank you so much for being on the the show today on Let's Talk Adoption, Rose. Uh, I've really enjoyed listening to your story and learning so much more about your family. Thank you so much for having me, Marty, and for everything you do to educate all of those of us touched by adoption. Well, thank you so much. Take care. Bye now. Bye-bye now. Well, I want to thank you for being part of uh, Let's Talk Adoption today. Um, we've had a great show, and next week we're going to have more. We have more of your questions to be answered next week, so do tune in for that. And remember that I love to hear from my listeners. Um, they come from all over the world. We have 27 countries that listen to Let's Talk Adoption, and so we want to hear from you. Uh, again, my uh, email is info at letstalkadoption.com. And uh, so have a wonderful week. Send me your messages and your notes, and we will see you next week. God bless you. Bye-bye now.
Thank you for joining us for Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. For more adoption information, visit LifetimeAdoption.com or call 1-800-923-6784. That's 1-800-9-ADOPT-4. And tune in again next week at the same time for Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. God has a plan for each of us. Sometimes we simply aren't sure what that is. Many Christian families are struggling today with infertility and pregnancy loss and feel forgotten as to God's plan for their lives. Is God trying to convey His plan to you? Perhaps He is trying to lead you to another path for building your family. Christian families are being built every day through the miracle of adoption. There is hope and there's a child for you. Visit LifetimeAdoption.org. Or call 530-432-7373 to learn more about welcoming a baby into your heart through adoption.